Welcome into Shat Talk, the People's Sports Talk Podcast, with your host, Bradley Shatra. And we are back with the Shat Talk Red Sox Podcast, and there is no way around it. This weekend is a big one. For the Boston Red Sox, as they will host the New York Yankees at Fenway Park for a three-game set. After that, they will head to Baltimore for a three-game set and finish off the season at the Washington Nationals. It's going to be a little weird, you know, some interleague play there to finish off the season. A pitcher is going to have to hit no DH, so that'll be interesting to watch. But right now, I think what's I want to start with here is the Red Sox control their own destiny. I mean, you look at the way that this has shaped up with nine games remaining. The Blue Jays lost last night. They currently are three games out from the Red Sox for the number one wild card spot. They're a game back of the New York Yankees. And the Yankees are two games back of the Red Sox for that number one wild card spot. They hold the second wild card spot at the moment. So right there, I mean, you have the number one wild card slot playing the number two wild card slot. It's it, it's a massive series with big implications. I mean, there's a lot of different ways this could go. It could be disastrous if the New York Yankees sweep the Red Sox. It could be very, very enjoyable if the Red Sox sweep the Yankees. Either way, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting here. Now you look at the three pitchers that they're going to face in this series: Eovaldi versus Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole this year has a 3.03 ERA, but in this second half of the season, he has not been nearly as sharp as he was in the first half. And we've also kind of seen him get roughed up a few times. So it's not like he is the invincible Garrett Cole or you know the, the 300 plus million guy that you originally figured he would be. Now, he's obviously still capable of tossing seven innings, one run ball. But I think right now he's probably a little bit more uh, susceptible to, to, to not having the greatest starts than he usually would be. So that's good news for the Red Sox. Maybe that won't hold true tonight. I will be there at Fenway Park, so hopefully it does hold true. But uh, besides that, I mean, after that, they got Nestor Cortez versus Nick Pavetta. Cortez, 2.79 ERA. He does have a 2-2 two and two record, which means they probably aren't scoring many runs for him. But he has been good since being called up from the Yankees. Nick Pavetta has been pretty good against the Yanks, besides, his, I believe, his last time out was not very good. But before that, he had done fairly well in it's going to be an interesting matchup there because Pavetta has kind of been shaky. You know, he came back, he had that great outing, and then his second outing uh, after coming back from COVID was not nearly as great. So you wonder what you're going to be able to get out of Nick Pavetta, and it's a high-stakes game. It's a big game, so it'll be telling to see, you know, can, can you trust this guy in the playoffs, it, you know, this playoff atmosphere, does he respond to it? That'll be something to watch in the second game of this series, and then it finishes off with Montgomery versus Erod. Montgomery kind of like a soft-throwing lefty, 3.55 ERA. He did pitch well against the Red Sox at Fenway Park before. Uh, he was the, the pitcher in the rain delay game where Kike Hernandez tied it at three in the bottom of the ninth, and then the Red Sox won in the tenth. I do remember him being very good in that game. So Montgomery does have the pot, the uh, the ability to go out there and really give this Red Sox lineup fits, but it's going to be one of those series that kind of shapes the next six games or, or the final six games of this series. I, I mean, this season, I should say, you know, it, if you win one, New York gains a game. If the Red Sox win two, they gain a game. And if they sweep, 
they will most likely leave New York in the dust, and it'll really be a competition between they and the Blue Jays on who will get that second wild card spot. Now, that's also assuming the Blue Jays don't win out or, or anything like that from this point, but that's where we're at with the series. It's a big one. It has massive implications, and it's going to show. I mean, are these guys up for the challenge? Are they going to thrive in this moment? Are they going to kind of not thrive and get you a little worried for if they do get in here? So it's it's definitely the first taste of what seems to be postseason atmosphere-ish. I don't, I don't want to call it a postseason game because it's not, but it definitely has the feel of that, and it will be a good test for this team. Now, second thing I want to get to here is who's hot and who is not. I mean, the last 15 days here, Jose Iglesias, Xander Bogarts, Bobby Dahlbeck, J.D. Martinez, and Christian Vasquez, they've all been hot. I mean, mostly hitting over 300. The OPS is 900 to 1,000. You've got an honorable mentor for Kyle Schwarber, who got red hot against the Mets. He had two home runs off Taiwan Walker. That now leaves him 5 for 10 with five home runs off of Taiwan Walker. I mean, if, if you're Walker, you, you kind of just sit there and say, how do I pitch to this guy? Because it's just not going very well. Let's put it that way. But who's not is Rafi Devers for his standards at the moment. I believe he's just hitting over 250, and that's not bad, but it's definitely not what you would hold Rafi uh, to because of his expectations and, and his ability and what you know he can do. Now, Kike Hernandez is still a little cold. He's still trying to fi fi uh, fig find it, I meant to say, after coming back from kind of a, a long COVID stint. He had, he had COVID. He was out for a little while. He came back. He's trying to find that rhythm again. So we'll see if he can get it going. Hunter Renfro is also hitting just around 200. So he is kind of got red hot and now he's a little cold, but he's a guy I don't really worry about. He's got a great plate approach. Uh, he, he covers a lot of the plate as well. I mean, there are some times that he can get to the outside part of the plate and pull it. I mean, I, it's, it, it's pretty incredible. The plate coverage he has at some points. Now, maybe it's kind of chasing balls outside of the zone. I'm not really particularly sure with that. Now, I do can't find my phone. I, I was going to look at what the exact numbers are. That's all right. I, I'm not worried about it. I mean, if, if you look up the numbers of Jose Iglesias, you know what? Let me do it right now. I'll do it at the moment. I mean, I'm sure uh, everybody's not going to freak out. You know, you know, we'll all live. So refresh this page and last 15 days. So Jose Iglesias currently has a 400 average with the Boston Red Sox. I mean, that is pretty darn incredible when you think about kind of he's not even eligible for the playoffs and he's really affecting this kind of pursuit of a number one wildcard spot. Xander Bogarts, 368. Bobby Dalbeck, 303. JD Martinez, 300. Christian Vasquez, 345. And that is all in a 15-day period. Now, I named an honorable mention to Kyle Schwarber because he is only hitting 233 for average, but he is getting on base still around 36% of the time. And man, oh man, did he get hot the other night, like I said, against Taiwan Walker. So it's still to be seen what's going to come from that, but it is a good sign. And then you look at who's not. You know, Rafi Devers here with a 256 average. He is getting on base still, 347. So it's not like he's ice cold. He, he's still doing his thing. He's hitting singles. I just think the power is kind of taking a notch down. And it'll come back. I'm not worried about Rafi. I'm just addressing what the numbers suggest right now. And you look at Hunter Renfro, 200 average. Uh, Kike Hernandez, 209. So those guys are struggling at the plate. But those are two guys that even Kike, he had a big homer the other night. He got to a high fastball, which he does well. So it's not like any of these guys are kind of 
you know, lost or or going up there with, without an idea. I mean, Kevin Pilecki is is ice cold. He doesn't get nearly as, as many as at bats as his counterparts, so that obviously could have something to do with it. But those are the guys that aren't necessarily hot at the moment. But I'm not. I can't say I'm worried about them. I I, I can't say that I, I that their plate approach or you know the way they've looked at the plate has been brutal. It's just a matter of. Baseball's ups and downs. I mean, I, I, I'm not. I think this lineup is in a really good spot. I think that there's a lot of guys that are currently hot. Like I stated, I mean, there was five or six guys there that I named, and then even the guys who aren't hot are good hitters. They're guys that are gonna come around. They're going to figure it out. So the Red Sox lineup is in a good spot at the moment, and it's one of those things where it couldn't be at a better time. I mean, you consider where they were. I don't know, a month and a half ago, and you'd pay a lot of money to be in this spot. So I think the Red Sox are, they're, they're in a good spot uh, in, in that respect. And now number three, hypothetically speaking, who would you start in a wild card game? This has been a very hot topic and it's one that I think I kind of have a hot take on. I, I, I don't hear a lot of people saying what I am saying and I'm torn, but I would go with Chris Sale. And the reason I would go with Chris Sale is because number one, he can find ways to get outs without the strikeout. We saw that against the Orioles, and I know it was the Orioles, but still, they're major league hitters, and he did not have his best stuff, and he was finding ways to get outs without striking out. Guys, I mean, he only had one strikeout in that start, so as much as it was just the Orioles, one strikeout and being able to go five innings with one earned run, that is still very impressive. That shows that you can navigate your way through a lineup without having your best stuff, and that's something that kind of makes me think even if Chris Sale gets on that bump in a wild card game and he doesn't have his best stuff, he can find ways to get outs and still leave you in a position to win the game. Another thing, neither the New York Yankees or the Toronto Blue Jays have faced Chris Sale this season. So that right there to me is a huge advantage in the respect of they may have film from years ago, but they don't have film from you know at least their games against Chris Sale from this season. They could obviously go over the film from whoever he's faced throughout this season, but I just don't think that they would necessarily have as good of a beat on Chris Sale as normally they would if he was here for a full season. He faced them a few times, so that's another thing to kind of keep in mind here when you're making this decision. Number three, he's the guy I trust the most. I trust Chris Sale the most. It's just, it, it's kind of obvious. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a guy that has pitched in really big spots. I mean, he came into that 2018 World Series in that ninth inning, and it's it's the moment would not be too big. Let's put it that way. I just don't think the moment would be too big. But you could say a lot of those things that I just said for Nathan Eovaldi as well, because I get Eovaldi. I mean, he has been their best pitcher all season. But one thing that I've been considering is tonight when he faces the New York Yankees, that will be the fifth time this season that they see Nathan Eovaldi. He's also seen the Blue Jays twice. So they do have kind of an idea of what to expect when going into a game against Nathan Eovaldi. Now, maybe that means nothing. Uh, against the Blue Jays, he did have one of his, his worst starts of the season. That was months ago. He's pitching way better right now than he was at that point. But it is something to keep in mind. They did seem to have a beat on him in that start. So it's something to consider. But again, Nathan Eovaldi has been their best pitcher all season. He's been a guy who outside of two starts has really been consistent and somebody that has really good stuff on a nightly basis. Uh, it's just, I mean, his stuff is really in tip top shape. So I wouldn't be 
upset or, you know, what are they thinking if Nathan Eovaldi starts that game? Because it does make sense as well. But me, I would start Chris Sale. Those were the reasons that I gave you as to why I would do that. But I completely understand why they would start Nathan Eovaldi as well. Because at the end of the day, he has shown the most over a full season here. Obviously, Chris Sale was hurt, but he has shown them the most consistency over a full season here. And and that's all you're looking for. You want to know what to expect when you're going to trot a guy out there for their, for a win or go home wildcard game after playing 162 games. Now, let's get to another thing I want to touch on. Everyone's healthy. Everyone is healthy right now in the Red Sox. It seems Christian Arroyo is also now healthy. He's going to start to get some at-bats here soon, I'm pretty sure. It's kind of just going to be a matter of when Jose Iglesias cools down because I think the minute he cools down, Arroyo gets in that lineup. Maybe even, you know, that's not the case. Maybe even they, they throw Arroyo in there tonight and they start him for the final nine games of the season because at the end of the day, Jose Iglesias is not postseason eligible. So Christian Arroyo is going to be their second baseman in a playoff series. So you look at that and it's like, we got to get this guy some at-bats. He's got to get up to speed. Uh, he came in, he had some at-bats against the New York Mets. I believe he had a strikeout. I don't know what his second at-bat resulted in, but it's one of those things where you got to get him some experience. You got to get him back in a good spot because Christian Arroyo has played well for this team when he's been on the field, both in the field and at the plate. He's had some really timely hits, and it's one of those things where you just wish he could have stayed a little bit healthier to be out there on a more consistent basis. But like I said, I, I trust that guy defensively at second base, and I trust him going to the plate. So you got to get him some at-bats. You got to get him up to speed here before he's going to be playing in your biggest game of the season if you make it there. I want to preface that every time I say anything like it. But now my question here is, between guys like Hunter Renfro, Alex Verdugo, Kyle Schwarber, Bobby Dalbeck, who's the odd man out in your ideal lineup? Because you got to have Bob in there right now. You have to have Bobby Dalbeck in there right now. He is this team's or one of this team's hottest hitters at the moment. Over the last two months, he's been flat out incredible. I don't think I've ever, and I mean this, I don't think I have ever seen a turnaround from the first half to the second half to the level in which Bobby Dalbeck has reached. It is incredible to watch. He's fun to watch. He's got a whole different approach to the plate. He's got newfound confidence. It's carrying over into the field. Bobby Dalbeck right now is one of the biggest resurgence I've ever seen in my entire life watching baseball, watching a lot of different sports. I mean, seriously, it is incredible what he has been able to do, the turnaround from the first half to the second half. I mean, that first half, he went up to the plate and you're always down 0-2 in counts, striking out a ton, really not putting the ball in play a lot. And then all of a sudden, this second half comes around, and he's got plate discipline. Uh, he can hit with two strikes. He's got a lot of power up there. So he's one guy that you got to keep in there. And Schwarber is just too important to the lineup to take him out. I mean, he's a guy that has a great plate approach. I mean, that's been one of the things that's been noticeable since he's gotten into Boston is his approach at the plate, you know, not swinging at strikes, knowing the strike zone, honestly, better than the umpire does sometimes. You see that K zone, and every time that Schwarber, you know, gives the umpire some crap, it's always right. He's always right in saying that it was a ball and not a strike, and that's very rare. That's very rare. That's just plate discipline, you know, knowing what the strike zone is, and you're not going to chase and give pitchers extra lives or kind of the upper hand in a sense. So he's another guy that I think you have to have in the lineup. I think you could kind of mess with he and, uh, or you can mess with Schwarber in the case that it's a left-handed bat, but I mean, left-handed pitcher, but either way, I think in both situations, Kyle Schwarber in the playoffs is one of those guys you have to have in your lineup. So I think it's one of those things where 
Right-handed batter, I mean, right-handed pitcher, man, I keep saying that. Right-handed pitcher, you start Alex Verdugo. Left-handed pitcher, you start Hunter Renfro. And I get it. Hunter Renfro's been good against right-handed pitching as well. But it's been known that his batting against left-handed pitching has been his strong suit. And that's just kind of something that you mix and match here. And I think they're going to do a lot of that regardless. I don't I don't think it's really going to come down to oh, Hunter Renfro or Alex Verdugo because at the end of the day, there are going to be some splits that suggest Bobby Dubbuck shouldn't be in there against certain right-handed pitching and such. But either way, I think right now you look at it and it's just going to be kind of what does the matchup suggest? And if the matchup is kind of close and both guys hit that pitcher well, it's more of just Verdugo against a righty, Hunter Renfro against a lefty, and that's how I think you go about it because right now Bobby Dobbick and Kyle Schwarber have to be in this lineup. There's just no way around it. They have to be in this lineup at the moment. Now, to finish this thing off, I mean, let's be honest here. I feel really good about this team if they can get in. If they can get in. That's the biggest question right now. And I'm not talking about necessarily getting in the wild card game. I think that that's probably, probably something where it's going to happen. I mean, if it doesn't, it's a colossal collapse. It'll be embarrassing. It'll be one of those things where how could you let it get this far? I think there's obviously still some major concern as to if they can host the wild card game. That's something that, you know, you keep thinking about is can they can they host this wild card game uh, and finish out this season well enough to do so and finish in that number one wild card spot? But if they can get into the playoffs here, if they can win that wild card game, this is all hypothetical. It'll be kind of pointless if they don't even win that wild card game or don't get in at all. But I feel good about them if they get in. And the reason I say that is because number one, you're gonna you're gonna cut down to a four man rotation, and that's not a knock on Tanner Houck. It's just a matter of I love the fact that Tanner Houck goes to the bullpen. I think he's a huge bullpen weapon, and I think it makes all the sense in the world to do it this particular season. He's a guy that can't go through the third time through the order, or at least they're never going to allow him to. And because of the evidence that they have the first two times that they did allow him to go through that third time. So he can only face the order two times through, which gives you two, three innings, maybe, maybe four, but I doubt it. You know, it'd have to pick nearly perfect. Uh, but that's, he's one of those guys that he's nearly unhittable first and second time through. I mean, obviously first is way more so, but he, he's a high leverage guy. You can bring him in when you really need him in a high leverage situation. You can bring him into close games. You can bring him into piggyback someone. He's very, very versatile, and he can give you a good inning or two in any scenario that you could think of. So, you know, you look at what it does to the bullpen. You got guys like Darwin's and Hernandez that are healthy, and he's pitched pretty well so far since coming back. Garrett Richards has been a godsend to this Red Sox bullpen after really not having much success as a starter. I mean, over a five ERA as a starter for this team. And then now I think it's under one at the moment coming out of the bullpen, but I do believe he let up a run the other day. So it's probably over one at the moment, but still he has been incredible out of the bullpen for this team. And you look at what this bullpen could be now, high leverage situations, high leverage, Adam Adovino, Tanner Houck, Josh Taylor, even guys like Darwin's in Hernandez and Brazier. Now, Darwin's and Hernandez and Brazier are more lower leverage situations. Now, not low leverage, but a little bit lower than necessarily a one-run gain, eighth inning, something like that. I think those guys could really give you good innings more in like a six, seven, maybe eight if you need it. But high leverage is more of guys like I just named where, you know, Otto, JT, Hauk, guys like that. And then low leverage, you got guys like Matt Barnes, Austin Davis, Hansel Robles, Martin Perez. Now, Matt Barnes has been brutal. There's no way around it. 
I, I like Matt Barnes a lot. Matty Backpacks, I think he's a great I think he's a great pitcher when he's got his best stuff. I mean, you saw what he was able to do this first half of the season. He was an all-star. He was great. I mean, he was unhittable, but he just fell apart in this second half. I mean, he got that extension ever since. It's really been rough to watch. It, it's been a significant downfall from what you see. I mean, him and Bobby are kind of opposites in a way. Bobby Dalbeck turned this around from being pretty rough in that first half to being really good in the second half. And then you look at what happened to Matt Barnes. He's been the exact opposite. He was awesome in the first half, and he has been rough here in the second half. So I'm not even sure if they're going to use him in a playoff scenario. I'm not even sure if he comes, you know, maybe a 7-2. Even that, man, it seems like that would be too close because he's walking a lot of guys, and when he is throwing strikes, they're right over the heart of the zone, hard hit balls. So I, I don't know what they do with Matt Barnes at this moment, but you look at guys like Austin Davis and Hansel Robles. I mean, they've pitched well so far. I mean, I think it's like eight appearances and they don't have, they have a little bit of run combined. So right there, I mean, heck, those guys can come in and, and fill a good role for you. I'm not necessarily sure if I want them in a, a one run ball game in the eighth inning, but I can tell you even a two run game, six, seven, give me Austin Davis and Hansel Robles. They'll give you a good inning from what we've seen at least through these last through this last month of the season, Martin Perez is a guy that you really only want to bring in if it's a blowout either way. But uh, that's where I think I think the bullpen's in a good spot for a potential postseason run, which is something I never ever 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 would have said. I don't know two months ago, two months ago. I mean, they've been really inconsistent. It seems as though that they all pitch bad at in certain spots, and then they all pitch well over a certain period of time. So they're not necessarily consistent. But guys right now have found their best stuff. You can tell that some guys are feeling way more comfortable than they originally were when they got here. Namely, I mean, Hansel Robles, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of anybody else. But that's really the first guy I think of when it comes to that. I mean, when he first got here, it was it was kind of like, I don't know what to make of this guy. I don't know if he's going to be, be uh, a guy you can trust. And all of a sudden, he's really pitched well for them. So that's something to keep an eye on. How do they use him the last half, uh, the last, not last half, the last nine games of the season or so? And my last segment was basically about having too many good options. I mean, Verdugo, Renfro, Bob could all sit on the bench on any nights and maybe even Schwarber. I doubt that they do that in the playoff series because, like I said, he's just too important to the lineup. But it could happen. And that right there is a good problem to have. I mean, at what, on a nightly basis, you're going to have either Bobby Dahlbeck, Alex Verdugo, Hunter Renfro all on your bench. So they will always have a good pinch hitter to turn to if the scenario dictates a pinch hitter. And you have to keep your mind uh, going to Travis Shaw. He's been effective for this team. He's pretty much kind of executed, I don't know, 80% of the time they've really needed to. He's got some big at-bats this season, really come up big for them. So that's another guy that you have to keep in mind. He's not going to play on a, on a nightly basis. Heck, he doesn't really play a lot at all. But when he's called upon, he seems to be ready with the bat. And he seems to be kind of the perfect guy to fill that particular role of not necessarily getting a lot of playing time, but being ready when you do get your playing time. And that's just a thing that I think is... It, it's important for teams to have more than just their nine on the field in a potential playoff run because it's there's always going to be situations that dictate a pinch hitter. And if you don't have one that you actually believe in, it makes it all the more hard in late game situations when you got the bottom three of the lineup coming up to necessarily, you, you don't have an out, you don't have 
kind of something to boost your chances or or something to count on, I guess, you know, because pinch hitters can really affect the game in a big way if they're brought in in the right situation and they execute. So that's something that I think is big for this team is to have certain pinch hitters that are going to come off the bench on a nightly basis. Guys aren't necessarily going to play that deserve to be in there on a nightly basis, but that just means that you have a deep bench, you have a versatile bench, and you're going to have options in late game situations where you're probably desperately going to need them on the court in the course of a playoff run during the course of a playoff run I guess I should say depth and versatility it's there with this team and that's something that is major important for a playoff team you got to have depth and you got to have versatility and that's what the Red Sox have at the moment we've seen it all season they've been able to really mix and match against certain pitchers it's worked well uh, Alec Cora knows what buttons to push he knows his team he loves to look at what the matchup suggests kind of go off of that but he's also got the eye test as well because we've seen it with Bobby Dalbeck I mean the numbers would not suggest that Bobby Dalbeck should be up there against certain pitchers and it, when he was red hot Cora just kept putting him in that lineup and then he said the other day you know it'll probably be a scenario where certain guys dictate that Bobby shouldn't be in there and and we saw it, I believe Kyle Schwarber played first base the other day against the Mets that might have been their last game the one Taiwan Walker I believe he might have been playing first base there so right there it shows you the depth and versatility of this team and I think that's going to be hugely important in a potential playoff run but tonight is is massive this whole series is going to be huge for the Red Sox because they can really dictate if the Yankees are going to have a playoff life or not you sweep the Yankees and they are left in the dust I mean they're battling against the Blue Jays that next series then they have the Rays they finish with a brutal brutal schedule and when I first looked at it and Toronto wasn't playing about a month ago or so, maybe a month and a half ago, Toronto really wasn't playing great baseball anymore. And it was one of those things where I said, Oh, what the heck? You know, the Yankees are going to catch the blue Jays when they're not playing well, rather than when a lot of these other teams caught them playing red hot baseball. So that's something that's not necessarily true anymore because the blue Jays are hot again. And they did lose last night to the twins, which puts them three games back, but they're a team that I don't think anybody goes into that series and says, we got an overwhelmingly good chance tonight because that lineup is a problem. And then you add in Vladdy Jr.'s historic season that he's currently having. They're a fun team to watch. They're a scary team. They're a team that I can admit that I want no part of going to Toronto and facing those guys if they were to get the number one overall wildcard seed, if that is to happen. But either way, like I said, the Red Sox dictate if this number one seed is theirs. And there's no excuse if they come out of this Yankee series and can't finish off five and one, six and oh, I mean, you look at the Orioles, you look at the nationals, the Orioles are already have over a hundred losses. They have been brutal all season. We saw the Red Sox sweep them uh, about a week or so ago. So it's obviously more than uh, capable, I guess, or more than possible that they should be able to sweep that series. And then you go into a Nationals team that hasn't been playing for anything for months. Obviously, Juan Soto is red hot, but they traded pretty much their entire team. They are in a full-on rebuild mode. So those final six games are crucial, but they're against not good opponents, crappy opponents that you have to execute if you're a good team. And that's what the Red Sox have been able to do these past seven games is execute against good, I mean, bad, is execute against bad teams. Good teams, are able to beat bad teams when they need to. And obviously good teams should beat good teams as well, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And and obviously if, if you don't think the Yankees are a good team, then all the power to you. I love that take, but I also think you got to acknowledge they're only two games out of this wild card spot. So if you're a Red Sox fan out there calling the Yankees a bad team, I just can't get behind that because they're not that far behind you. So 
it's one of those things where this is a good team. We're, we're going to see where the Red Sox are at. We're going to see if this, this hot streak can continue or if they're going to kind of get a message of, all right, step back into gear because you're not invincible anymore. But we'll see. I hope I hope they're invincible. I hope they wear these yellow uniforms for the rest of the year because that would mean they don't lose. But either way, you know, before I leave, I want to touch on the yellow uniforms because I don't think a lot of people are going to like my opinion, but I don't like them. I don't like them. I, I, I don't like the way they look. I don't think it looks anything like the Red Sox, but I will say this whole winning streak is starting to make me like them. This whole winning streak that they're on with the yellows, kind of this whole rise of the yellow jerseys, everybody's getting behind it. You can tell that the players are really into it. It's kind of making me like the yellow jerseys all of a sudden. I never liked them because I love the Red Sox jerseys, period. I love the white and red. I love the reds. I love the grays. I don't like the blues, but either way, I think that the rise of the yellow jerseys right here is good for this team. It, it's something weird they can get behind, but it's kind of continuing to prove true. And it's going to be hilarious to see them play the Yankees tonight in yellow uniforms because it's just not going to look right. But it's going to be funny. And like I said, I hope they're wearing for the rest of the season now because, heck, that would mean they don't lose a game. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Thank you for watching today's episode if you took the time to do that. But I'll be at Fenway Park tonight. Eovaldi on the hill, Cole on the hill for the Yankees. I can't stand Garrett Cole, so I'm hoping Rafi Devers takes him deep two or three times because what the heck? I mean, he goes to the All-Star game. He doesn't say hi to the guys. Come on, man. It's petty. I will see you next time. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in and spending some time with us. Make sure to stay posted for new episodes and content. This show was recorded at Rhythm Room Studios in North Smithfield, Rhode Island by Nick Cloutier. Cloutier Productions, L. L.C.